Hey, trivia fans! Looking for an exciting and unforgettable way to add some fun and friendly competition to your events or team-building sessions? Last Call Trivia has you covered. Our unique web-based app allows players to participate individually or as a team, making it easier than ever to bring people together, spark curiosity, create connections, and make lasting memories. Host your own trivia anytime with our new subscription and experience the best in interactive entertainment. Even remote attendees can play along. Check out lastcalltrivia.com forward slash shop for more information. Welcome to the Last Call Trivia Podcast. I'm your trivia host, James Flippin, and I'm so happy to have all of our listeners join in on our trivia team today. Our favorite part of Trivia Night is the discussion that the questions spark, as well as the connections those conversations create. That's why our trivia players will be showing their work, talking through the thought process behind each of their answers as we play our trivia game. And speaking of our trivia players, I'm joined by the team. They're starting a brand new parliament. So that means it's time for a new team name. We asked our Instagram followers to vote on their favorite, and they chose Who Are We Echidna as the (laughs) team's new name. Now, let's say hi to the team. Who Are We Echidna? CIA operatives listen to his anecdotes as part of their psychological conditioning. It's DJ Taylor. Oh, that's outstanding. You know, James, sometimes the best pizza is sushi. <laughs> I My brain is broken. My brain what? is absolutely... Uh, yeah, I'm, I have no idea what to make of it. <laughs> well, look, she came to drink tea and crush trivia, and she's all out of tea. It's Kelly Kitko. All out of tea. James, have you met me? never happened never that's not realistic so anyway you know he's got the physique of a parsnip with an intellect to match it's omen thomas said i really hope you're a vegetarian so you can eat me james (laughs) (laughs) carrying it all the way through very very nice well look in today's podcast we'll be challenging the last call trivia team with questions that previously appeared in last call trivia shows in bars and restaurants around the country. Our digital version, this podcast show, has two rounds of trivia, three questions per round, and then there's a bonus question in between the two rounds, as well as a final question that closes things out. Before that, some housekeeping. A quick reminder to our audience, if you enjoyed today's show, please do us a favor and leave us a five-star rating on your streaming service of choice. And if it allows for listener reviews, Go on and drop one in there. You may just get a shout out on a future Last Call Trivia episode. So products and services, you want to learn more about them, everything we offer at Last Call Trivia, go to lastcalltrivia.com. There's more ways there to get your trivia fix. We'll start off with round number one. I'll read each question aloud. And then DJ, Kelly, and Omen, (laughs) who are we, Echidna? They're going to have three minutes to discuss and decide on an answer. In addition to that answer, they also need to choose a point wager. The point wager options in round one are one point, three points, or six points. Doesn't matter what order they use that in, but they only get each wager once. The categories for round number one are mascots, states, 
and universities. Oh, boy. Huh. Mm-hmm. Mascots, states, and universities. So we'll start off with number one, mascots. In French-speaking countries, what mascot trio is referred to as Crick, Crack, and Croc? Oh. <laughs> huh. Can we three, two, one this? No, not quite, because I, I think this is a snack product. It is not. No. It is a cereal product. Yeah. Breakfast. As I said, I think of cereal as a snack because I have eggs for breakfast. No one eats this for a snack. This is impossible to eat as a snack. <laughs> well, at any rate, some sort of a food product, but I don't remember what they're called in English what? or what? what the product is. All I know Actually, is it's about cereal. All right. I think okay. I've got it. I you got, got it, Omen? Yeah. Yeah. I translated okay. it from French to Italian to Latin into Hebrew, oh into Greek, goodness, and then from gracious. there to English. And now I think I've gotten it. No you know what I think about there? the bylaws after that explanation, James? Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. <clears throat> so we will count the team in to give their answer in unison. That's something they do when they're feeling confident. And here we go. In three, two, one. Snap. Snap. Crackle, crackle and, and pop. pop. Yes. Good morning. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Did you ever notice um, that Snap, Crackle, and Pop bear a strange resemblance to the Keebler elves? I was just going to say that. Like they were drawn from the same stock. You know, they just. They're almost like the Pillsbury Doughboy. They're just like a little happy, like cereal elf. I didn't come thing. here to be personally what? attacked, Kelly. DJ Taylor, our resident happy little cereal elf. (laughs) So wait, I actually have a fun fact. So there used to be four of them. I think when they first launched, there was four. And then they dropped one because the fourth just had a really ridiculous name that didn't work. And I, I think that the fourth's name was something like Plop or something that sounds... I mean, to be honest with you, like... (laughs) Equal? Yes, that's the word I'm going for. In nature. And so quickly Mm. they abandoned the fourth and just went with the three. I swear it's something like borderline questionable. Like, like who would have approved this? It's interesting when they translate well-beloved characters into other languages, how it has a different sense. Like Mickey Mouse in Italian is Topolino, which I think is an adorable name. And it just means little mouse. Topo is mouse. Topolino is little mouse. But it has a little bit of a different sense to it. It's not yeah. quite the same as Mickey Mouse. But in, in Italy, all the kids are like, ah, Topolino. <laughs> so should I assume you guys are going to put six points on this guy? We would like six to put Keebler elves. six parts of this balanced breakfast. Nice. That's what we'll do then. Mascots in French-speaking countries, what mascot trio is referred to as Crick, Crack, and Crook? You guys say Snap, crackle and pop for six points that is correct very nicely done come out with the uh opening six pointer on that one so nicely done you know james that last word in the trio cock is actually to be found in a fairly well-known french cafe food cock monsieur yes cock monsieur means mr crunchy interesting i always wondered why the introduction of Monsieur, but I never really thought that hard about the... It's a very tasty sandwich, I would say. But I never realized that there was that much involved in the naming of it. Sorry, Kelly. For what? 
Oh, I thought you were going to say something. Uh, we're <laughs> apologizing like... to you in advance of oh, what will what's inevitably happen? happen in the rest okay. of the episode. Thank you. Thank you. I, I accept wholeheartedly. I Thank will you. tell you that the fourth character that was later abandoned was Pow. Pow. Snap, crackle, Pow. Pow. And then it was the 30s when they first came up with them. They started out with some jingles and radio, and then they offered it in little comic strips and stuff like that. And that's how Rice Krispies came to be known with Snap, Crackle, Pop. So that's the marketing history. Not that. as fecal as I thought. Huh. No, but maybe a little bit too pugilistic, you know, something like that. Friendlier breakfast cereal. Yeah, exactly. Pow is a little bit off-putting. States is where we'll go next. And this question, a person traveling through big sky country would be in which U.S. state? <laughs> We can probably three, two, one this one too. Yeah, I think so. I the only reason that I know this is nothing because of me. I know many things because of you, Kelly, and this is not one of them. No, the only reason I know this is not because of the state itself, which I know next to nothing about, but because of Bella Fleck and the Flecktones, the famous one might say the preeminent 20th century banjo player, a New York based banjo player called Bella Fleck. And he and his group have a song called Big Sky Country. And I think in the liner notes at some point, it was talking about Montana. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece. Modern. Not what, and, not and, what you think of when you think about banjo music. And I guess we don't have to three, two, one it since you gave the answer and your explanation about the liner notes. <laughs> <laughs> and that nice. is what I was apologizing for. In Are you a kidding to me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that you guys are looking at potentially putting three points on this. We can put three constellations on Montana. And if you guys have any questions about Montana, you know I got married there. So I have have plenty of information about Big Sky Country. Which time? Uh, (laughs) Well, depending on how you count, either the second or third time. But not... (laughs) Omen, we were all thinking it, but the rest of us have the tact not to ask. (laughs) That's what I'm here for, DJ. (laughs) But I will say, in my defense, we got married in Belgrade, which is right outside of Bozeman. And one of the activities that we did was go take everybody for a day to Yellowstone, go to Mm. the Lewis and Clark Caverns, which are fantastic. I think I mentioned those before. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Montana. And it really is true. I mean, just the if you live in a city, you think you know what stars are until you go and see what unpolluted Mm. dark sky actually looks like. And it's just... Mm unparalleled james i think we should put three unparalleled night vistas on montana okay states person traveling through big sky country would be in which u.s state for three points the team says montana that is correct montana is the answer so yes so far so good here on mascots and then states and yeah big sky just in the sense that exactly like kelly said there's no light pollution there isn't you know a lot of big tall buildings or anything like that that would separate that uninterrupted view of sky i haven't been there so i can only imagine to a large extent to be Um, honest with you it's also something about the horizon line because i mean you could go to kansas or nebraska and have like an unadulterated view of the horizon line but it really is almost like maybe because it's so far north it's 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 almost bent a little bit so you're seeing more than you than you would otherwise Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. Like you're on the edge of a snow globe and you're seeing a 360 degree view as opposed to like flat. Like if you're in the middle of Kansas, you're just flat Mm -hmm. seeing, you know, the 180 up in Montana. Somehow you're seeing a larger. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, the flat earthers in our audience aren't going to like those comments. (laughs) But then they'd also be interested in maybe going to a university, which is where we're going <laughs> next. Well, probably and not if they're flat earthers. Maybe not, maybe not. Universities is where we find ourselves at the end of round number one. And this question for the team, founded a mere 150 years ago, what is the youngest Ivy League school? Hmm. Okay. Three well, minutes on the clock. There's. Well, probably can name them all in alphabetical order. Well, I can name them all. I don't know about alphabetical order, but I can tell you that Harvard is the oldest. Princeton is the next oldest, which is over 250 years. Yale is probably next. Then we've got Cornell, UPenn, Brown, Dartmouth. Missing one. Stanford? No. Heathen. Okay. Jeez. Who am I forgetting? Yale, Harvard, Princeton, not Stanford, apparently. U Penn, Brown, Brown, and Dartmouth. One, two, three, four, five, six. Are there seven? No, there's eight, and I named seven. Harvard, Princeton, Yale, Cornell, U Penn, Brown, Dartmouth is seven. There's another one. Who am I not thinking of? Oh, Berlin, Ontario, C, Columbia. There you go. Okay, so I'm going to say, hmm, I don't know. What do you guys think? I would go UPenn. Oh, I don't know about that. If you think about the the founding, to me, just looking back at the history of Pennsylvania, I would put one of the other ones as later. Like if you're thinking about Cornell, which is up in Ithaca, like it's, it's distance. Dartmouth, you know, they're they're far away. They're on the outskirts. Like UPenn in Philadelphia and with the history of Philadelphia. And oh, wait, I didn't realize it was in else. Philly. Okay, yeah, so it's not, I, I it's not that older. It's not Yale. It's not Princeton, you said. We yeah, definitely Harvard. not Harvard, Princeton, Yale. Okay, um, so Columbia, I would imagine, is probably oldish, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, maybe no, Columbia I think is young. I think it's older and it's in New York City. So I would, I would say that Cornell and Dartmouth are, just because of their geography, I would think that they're the... DJ, any thoughts? I'd say Cornell. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning toward Cornell to the big red bear. Feels like a Teddy Roosevelt type nod Mm. for some reason. And I seem to have a recollection that he's somehow connected to Cornell in some fashion. That was about 150 years ago. I'm glad it's only the one point. Yeah, but Cornell is my guess. Let's do it. Okay. For one big red bear. There we go. That's a big red bear. Universities founded a mere 150 years ago. What is the youngest Ivy League school? For one point, you guys say Cornell. The answer, Cornell. Nice. Wow. Nice. Yep. Nicely done. Yeah, that was back in 1865. Ezra Cornell, an entrepreneur, also a New York State senator, and his fellow New York State senator, Andrew Dixon White, they partnered together. Cornell offered up his farm, and the other gentleman became the first president of the university. So that's kind of how Cornell came to be. Hmm. Right on. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And that'll take us to today's bonus question. 
The rules for the bonus question are a bit different. Here's how it goes. The answer will be in the form of a number. And the players may not know the exact answer given the nature of the question, but that's okay because they can still get the point by giving their best guess. At live last call trivia shows in bars and restaurants, the top 50% of teams that are the closest to the exact answer win the bonus point. Our trivia team is certainly welcome to get the exact answer, but if they don't and they get within the range that our writing team predetermined, then they can get that bonus point. Here it is. How old was Harvard University when Cornell was founded? Oh, wow. Okay, so Harvard predates Princeton by a bit, and the 250th year of Princeton was in either 1996 or 1997, and we are 26 six or 27 years out from that. So that puts us at 277, 278 years. And so Harvard Minus. is older than that. Oh, oh, I see. We're what, in 2023. Which we are. <laughs> I'm going to do 200, 2023 minus 278 to come up with a year. Hold on. I know that's not necessary for this excursion, but somehow I think it's going to help me. <laughs> then it's entirely necessary for this excursion. Okay, so that's 1745. I mean, to be honest with you, I really had in my head that Harvard was like 1693, you know, that it really predated us by a bit. So that would be, let's say, tack on 50 years if you buy into that, which you might not. I might. Um, I might. So 278 plus 50 years is 328. And if we subtract the 150 years of Cornell, we'll probably we've got get a number of some sort. 178, that Harvard had been around for 178 years before Cornell started. I love that. Yep, I do too. It is amusing talking about the oldest universities in America being at a maximum 325 years old when the oldest universities in England go back to the <laughs> the 1000s. Yeah, when I saw a picture of a church in Norway on Instagram today and it was like this was built in the year 1150 and I'm yeah. like wow. Yeah, wow. Hmm. So Kelly, based on your excellent mathematical skills, and I think we're actually going to do a spin-off podcast series that's called Kelly Decker does math. Oh, it's going to and that's is it. That like, is it like the podcast version of Win Ben Stein's Money, but instead <laughs> Kelly Decker does math? Yeah, and there's no prize. Oh, that's even better. Yeah, <laughs> no, I like that. I would listen to that show. Yeah. <laughs> I think that we want to go with 178, James. Okay. Go ahead and put that in. So the question was, how old was Harvard when Cornell was founded? The team is going to say... 178, 178 years. The answer, 229. Whoa. Wow. Really? 229. And actually, we were looking for anywhere between 200 and 260. Wow. When was so when was Harvard? So, yeah, founded? what year does that make it? <laughs> well, my Cracker Jack. I'm done with math, James. <laughs> I can't do anymore. Is looking it up right now. And I can tell you that it was 1636 in Cambridge, Massachusetts, September 8th. Oh. Wow. Harvard College at the time. 
clearly Cle none of us Clergyman. are alumni of Harvard. So clergyman uh, John Harvard, a Puritan. Oh, no. of course, a Puritan. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really didn't think it was that much older than Princeton. Yeah. Well, it was. Round two, the questions in the second round are themed to a specific topic. They always are. And today's theme is technology. Hmm. So in this round, the point wager options have updated to two, five, or seven points. And just like the first round, the team can only use each wager once. They do have those higher options to work with. And then these categories, symbols, companies, and terms. Huh. So we'll dive right into symbols. What typographical symbol is known as an appenstart or monkey's tail in Dutch and a strudel in Hebrew? Oh. Yeah, well. I think, I think that we can suss this out pretty well. Now, yeah. I will say that we do sort of have an unfair advantage because we're all recording on our computers and therefore have. You did not have to look at your computer to think of what resembles a monkey's tail. I don't think you should overestimate my <laughs> memory or knowledge about typography, modern typography. It's it's not an exclamation mark because that would be a detached monkey's tail. And it's, this one, actually, I think the strudel is a pretty good, or maybe like a cinnamon roll is more of a an apt description yeah. of this. I like a strudel. Okay. It's not the ampersand, because that's called an ampersand. <laughs> it's not the octothorpe, because that's called an octothorpe. Right, right, it's, obviously. Uh, it's not the tilde, which does look vaguely tail-like, but not, that's not, a, that's not a, especially That's a short tail. and sad tail. That's not and a, not so much like a strudel. More, I didn't come I guess... here to be judged either, Kelly, okay? <laughs> I didn't come here to be judged. Oh, wait, do echidnas have tails? I think they've got uh, quite stubby tails. Stubby yeah. tails, I believe. Yeah. Oh, so the opposite of this. Their tail, I would compare to a comma. Mm-hmm. Okay. So are we going to three, two, one this and hope that we all call this thing the same word? Yes. Yes. I mean, I actually call it, It's. I call it three words, but one of the words is just the. You call oh. it three words? Yeah. Let's, huh. let's three, two, one and see how this monkey's <laughs> tail takes out. <laughs> three. Two, one, the, the act symbol. symbol. That's the, we all said three words. Well, yeah. uh, okay, so I thought you meant that you referred to it three different ways. Like, I call it the at or the monkey tail or the strudel. And I'm like, <laughs> I've only ever heard it called the at symbol. So, oh, okay. I am from now on only going to use a strudel and monkey's tail. And don't strudel me on that. <laughs> Omen, no one on the podcast was ever planning to strudel you in any fashion. Follow me at strudelomen.said on Twitter. <laughs> I do have to say, I don't think it would be very well received in a professional setting if you gave your email address with monkey's tail. <laughs> <laughs> but now I have to because I really yeah, it's time... James Monkey's Tail last <laughs> James call Monkey's Tail last call trivia. That's great. That's great. <laughs> okay, I, I make you guys a promise. The next time that somebody asks me for my email address, admittedly it doesn't happen very often, but when it does, 
That's what I'm going to say. And I'm going to let you know the reaction. I hope so. Next I time you're so. in a CD bar and somebody's like, hey, tall lady, let me get your email address. <laughs> so what you're saying is it's never going to happen. <laughs> oh, maybe not well, in that yeah. context. <laughs> maybe a I would tea like garden. to say at this point that I need an adult. <laughs> well, you're not going to find one here, DJ. You're not going to find one strudel the last call trivia <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right, so yes, strudels of goodness. All right, we're baking those strudels up. What typographical symbol is known as an appen start or monkey's tail in Dutch and a strudel in Hebrew? You guys say the at symbol. At symbol is correct. So coming out with a bang here, round number two, seven points on your ledger. Very nicely done. And yeah, it's kind of interesting, the history of the at symbol. The first documented use was in a letter from a Florentine merchant who used it to denote units of wine, which were shipped in large clay jars. But then merchants have long used it to say like five potatoes at X cents or whatever. And then in the computer sense, the man who or, or woman, I'm not sure who invented it, saw the at symbol thought, okay, that's not really used much. They needed some way to be able to denote various ports and symbols when they're kind of like having these computers communicate with each other. And the at symbol was in a good place where it was away from the sent sign as well, because the programmer was worried that the sent sign might get That's how long ago this was, that there was a sent sign? Back in the 60s or 70s, yeah. I've actually had need recently to use a sent sign and have been just very frustrated that they're isn't one and really isn't any way to replicate one yeah why did you have to use the cent sign because i was emailing somebody about something that cost a certain amount of cents but couldn't you so just i put wanted to say zero dot who wants to anyway. do that <laughs> like you want to emphasize how cheap it is by being like it's just okay 75 yes. cents that's and true. as soon as That's you introduce true. the dollar sign, that emphasis is derailed totally. Not if you put the zero in front of the decimal point, then it's very clearly under a dollar. Zero point seven five dollars is cheap, cheap, cheap. Speaking of getting derailed, James, uh, did you have a next <laughs> question here? Companies is next. And this question, the name of the tech giant Intel is a shortened version of what two words? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, we just assume that DJ already knows that. So yeah. can we spend the next three minutes with Omen and I just guessing fun, like, <laughs> yes. combinations? Yeah, I'm guessing it's intelligence telephone. I was going to say intercontinental telephone. Ooh, intercontinental telephone. I like that quite a lot. Intercontinental telephone. Yeah. Like the first intercontinental telephone. Intrepid. <gasps> oh, you'll like this one. Okay, yeah. Interobanged element. You don't like that as much as I thought I know. I like it that it took me a minute to process it. In, yeah, I, in fairness, it took me a minute to process it, too. I think that's all we got, DJ. What's the real oh, answer? Oh, no, oh, no, no. Oh, 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 what? Interrogated elephant. <gasps> oh. Okay, so in terms of sound, Omen's actually not terribly, terribly far off. Your most recent guess. What's the opposite of scattered that starts with an int? So not scattered, but... When you're mixing dough and you have to mix all the ingredients together, what's another way to say that? You incorporate. Know. Oh, incorporate. Oh, starts with int. Incorporated elephants. Int. I-N-T. Int. 
Integrate. Uh, I, integrate. Integrate. Okay. You so, know what? You don't integrate dough. You incorporate it. Let's just be clear. But go ahead. Past tense of integrate is? Integrated, integrated. elephants. And computer, Technologies. computer chips are a type of? Bother. They go into what? They go into <laughs> what types of devices? Technological uh, ones. Starts with it starts with an E. Starts oh, with an e. electronics, electronics, integrated electronics, integrated electronics. Okay, you know what? This is a missed opportunity because if, if the founders had heard of interrogated elephants, they surely <laughs> would have used that. Wasn't that Thomas Edison? Gordon that, that bad. Oh, the founder of Intel. Gordon Moore was one of the founders from which we get Moore's Law. I, he had a little bit of whimsy to him. He might have liked integrated elephants. You might have been able to get that to fly back in the 60s. I hope that someday when I'm dead and gone, people will look back on my life and say, he had a little bit of whimsy in him. <laughs> they will not say that. If they, they ever see say... that stash, Omen, I guarantee it. They're... Don't say that. Don't yeah, say that. that's a, that's an underestimate of what's going to be said. That I dare say they shall compare you to Errol Flynn. Oh, <laughs> I certainly right. hope not. So I think we should on. put we a should core five. i5 on integrated electronics. Yes, yes. Five it is. Companies, the name of the tech giant Intel is a shortened version of what two words? Integrated electronics for five points, you guys say. That is correct. Nice. Uh, integrated electronics indeed. If not for DJ, I would 100% have gone with international telephone. Mm. Intercontinental. Intercontinental telephone, yep. Yeah, yeah. 1968, when Robert Noyce and Gordon Moore were working on integrated circuits and then decided to form their own company so they could do some side projects and what a side project it was. Yeah, yeah because to be honest, when you look at it, don't you think that the T is what connects it? So you think that the two words it stands for are I-N-T and T-E-L? I wasn't even considering that the second word was going to be an E-L word. Like, I, in my mind, I was sure it was a T-E-L word. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. Yeah. Because it's in the middle. <laughs> Question, can we three, two, one the Intel jingle? It's very distinctive. Do, do, do you both know it? Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> That's, That's the farmer's, farmer's insurance. Okay. I only know that because it was on the show no, last in, week. In, Intel is... Oh, oh, oh. Bum, okay. bum, bum, bum. Yep, there you go. You got it. Oh. It's, I recognize it's, that, but could never it, have told you what it was for. It actually is lyrics. It's the same number of syllables as Intel Inside. That's their tagline is Intel Inside. So bum, 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 bum. Intel Inside. inside. Everything inside the machine, inside it's the it. processor inside your device. A lot of them. Terms is where we'll go next, <laughs> and this is borrowed from a basic construction material. It's a nickname commonly used to refer to a smartphone that does not work. Oh, oh I know this. I know this. Wait, I think I do. <laughs> Wait, well, I'm pretty sure I do, but I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure because, you have one. No, that's the thing. I don't because I thought you'd be impressed if I knew it, knowing that I don't have a cell phone. Oh, I thought that if you had a cell phone, it would be this type. Like an unsmartphone is often called this. No? Oh, well, I don't know. No, it's a non-functioning no? phone is called this. What you're thinking of is the old school cellular telephones that were that's massive. Yes. In the modern sense, it, it's reference to something that's broken. But okay. you're right, Omen. Those old school Motorola's, the beige boxes, they were yeah. also called this. Well, why don't we three, two, one it? Let's. 
Dark. Team's going to give the answer in unison in three, two, one. Brick. In fact, it's become a a verb too, right? Much like Google. So if you bricked your phone, that means that you made it inoperable. Hmm. Very common if you're installing third-party software from a non-approved site or you're trying to jailbreak an iPhone, both of which can expose you to software exploits that make the phone stop functioning. So bricking your phone. Goodness gracious. Intel would have a lot of things to say about that. That sounds like the start of a movie. It was a dark and stormy night in Silicon Valley. (laughs) Welcome back to Software Exploits. You know what, Omen? The kind of movie with that mustache that you're rocking right now. This is James, please get us out. She walked into my office, looked me dead in the eyes, and said, (laughs) one zero zero one zero zero one one zero zero one. They called me crazy, but I knew exactly what she meant. Just like, <laughs> despite all those ones and zeros, two points is the only wager amount you guys have left. And we're going to say brick on this particular question. Terms. Borrowed from a basic construction material, what nickname commonly used to refer to a smartphone that does not work? You guys say brick for two points. That is correct. Nice. Very nicely done. And yeah, kind of an allusion to like Omen said, once upon a time, the phones were so much bigger and heavier to begin with that they were kind of brick-like. But in this sense, it's just a phone that's, for lack of a better term, a paperweight, I guess, because you're kind of just putting it It there like a brick on your desk. It may as well be a brick, yeah. Right. Okay, so that'll take us to the final question of the game. A multi-part question. It's also the only question today that our team can lose points on. The trivia team must decide, should they wager the five points or wager zero points? Those are their options. They have to get every portion of the final correct in order to earn points. If they miss any portion of the final, then they lose what they wager. It's a multi-part question, so we'll give them five minutes to decide on their answer. But before that, let's give the team an update on their score up until this point, and that way they can better decide whether or not to wager those five. First episode of Parliament Number 5 here. This is the first episode of Parliament Number 5. And by the way, if you're new to the Last Call Trivia podcast, a parliament is a grouping of 10 episodes. We've got to do it that way to give the team a sense of reference as to how their scores are progressing over time. So here in episode number one of Parliament Number 5, the team does not have an average score to compare to yet, but they'll want to come out of the gate as strong as possible. And right now, the team has... 24 points that's out of a total possible 30 so they're doing quite well here in this opening salvo of parliament number five and they've got this final question to deal with people being the category i need you to name me the birth country of these famous people Hmm. so they're actually grouped together so it's one through four here's number one Alfred Nobel, Alexander Skarsgård, and Astrid Lindgren. Number two, Charlize Theron, Elon Musk, and Dave Matthews. (laughs) Number three, Russell Crowe, Sir Edmund Hillary, and Lord. Number four, Albert Einstein. Diane Kruger, 
and Hugo Boss. Wow. Again, Pretty sure I've got all four of these. Yeah, I, I could take a I could take a serious guess at all these as well. All right. Well, let's start at the top. All right. Alfred Nobel. Edmund Nobel. Yep, Alfred Nobel. <laughs> I've never heard of the second person, but he's an actor. Skarsgard? Yeah. Okay. Right. He's, well, he's a fairly well known actor. I think it's isn't there a family of them? Yes, and, Peter Skarsgard yeah, and yep. I think Stella some of them Scarsgard, are in um three of them. That's great. All of that additional information, still don't know who that person is. But Astrid is a very, so I have an association with, with, with the Nobel person with the Nordic countries. And so I think it's Sweden. Well, that's where they do the Nobel ceremony. And Alfred Nobel was for, for sure he was Swedish. Yeah. And I think Astrid Lingenberry or whatever her name was, it has a very <laughs> Swedish sound to it. I sincerely hope no one from Sweden is listening. But if you are, we're sorry in advance. We're sorry. And, just like to apologize. And just and talk for listening. No. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, number two was the only one I was absolutely sure of. And that was, I stopped listening after Charlize Theron because I know that she's from South Africa. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And I did long. not know, however, that Dave Matthews is from South Africa. I don't I think he's listening. from there so much as he was born he there. He was born there. Okay. Yeah. I was, for what it's worth, listening to Under the Table and Dreaming today because I read a horrible, horrible book last week and there was an entire chapter about Dave Matthews. And it reminded me, like, haven't heard from Dave Matthews in a long time. And that that album is just outstanding. No connection to South Africa. Just thought I'd let you know. Fabulous. Okay. So and let, let's have that be as much as we ever talk about Dave Matthews' band. Oh, Omen, come okay. on. So let's go to number three okay. before we Russell run out of time. And Save it for the Lord. post show. It's, well, it's Edmund 50, Hillary. 50. Edmund Hillary yeah. for sure was from New Zealand. Okay. Oh, he's a national I knew that hero they there. were from either Australia or New Zealand, but I couldn't be 100% sure which. Yeah, I thought so it was for Edmund Hillary, has, he's got a, a day named after him in New Zealand. Okay, and, that's great. Oh, okay. Yeah, very famous New Zealander. So that's great. Okay. And then last, we've got Einstein, Diane Kruger, and Hugo Boss. It's Germany, no? I'm almost certain that it's got to be Germany. Hugo Boss designed uniforms for the Nazis, and Albert Einstein fled Germany for the U.S. Right. Yeah. And Kruger definitely sounds like a German name. It is. It's. I think it's a variant of Krieger, and it means hunter. No, oh, really? Uh, I did not know where he was born born but wasn't einstein offered like the presidency of switzerland or some such thing huh i have not heard that <laughs> you know now that i think of it he did didn't he work in the swiss patent office isn't that the that's the patent office that he worked in famously when he was so-called failing prior to his fame in math oh gosh so it could be switzerland could hugo well, boss have also, been swiss here's the thing the question is where were they born Right. So, you know, it's kind of like the Dave Matthews thing. Yeah, I'm not right. sure. Well, or he could have been born in Germany and then gone to Switzerland. Or vice versa. He could have been born in Switzerland, went to Germany, and then left for the U.S. What about Hugo Boss? I mean, that doesn't really help us either because a lot of Austrians collaborated with the Nazis. I'm sure a lot of Swiss collaborated with the Nazis as well. So right. it all hinges on Diane Kruger is what you're saying. Yeah, who is whom? She's an actress who was in, you know, one of those movies where there was like a 
femme fatale like basic instinct but not sharon stone that's diane kruger does that narrow it down Mm, you know who i'm thinking of okay let's let's consult our friend monty hall what would he do in this situation last call (gasps) i can't believe you've brought up monty hall in these circumstances it's this is the perfect circumstance (laughs) to bring up monty hall Oh my goodness gracious! We've got one. We've got. I think we, we should change it to Switzerland. I, I seem to recall the phrase "Swiss patent clerk" in reference to Einstein. So let's just. I think Germany is the obvious choice and must be wrong, or it's right and will be wrong in the end. But let's money haul our way into Switzerland. Oh, We're man. about to get hollinated. Let's put five I'm points. Oh, so nervous. Sweden, South Africa, us. New Zealand. New Zealand, New Zealand, New Zealand, and <laughs> Switzerland. Okay, so we'll go with people. Name the birth country of the famous people. Number one, you guys said that was Sweden. Alfred Nobel, mm-hmm. Alexander Skarsgård, and Astrid Lindgren. That is correct. Nice. One down, three to go. Then we've got Charlize Theron, Elon Musk, Dave Matthews. You guys say South Africa. That is correct. Nice. Two out of two. Russell Crowe, Sir Edmund Hillary, and Lord. New Zealand? Yep, that's it. New Zealand. So we're down to the final here. Albert Einstein, Diane Kruger, and Hugo Boss. You guys say Switzerland. The answer? Germany. Monty Hall has never failed us before now. Monty Hall. The Monty Hall of it all. Yeah, no, it was Germany. That was tough. But you still get 19 out of 30 points. We got our Monty Hall pass revoked for that. (laughs) You did. You did. (laughs) Our team, who are we, Echidna? They did have 19 out of a total possible 30 points. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in for the show. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share today's episode. If you're looking for more trivia fun, head over to lastcalltrivia.com and check out our live shows, private events, trivia card game, and more. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Last Call Trivia Podcast. Until then, stay curious. Tough. You know, because you never know for sure. The writing team does try to get slick sometimes. Yeah. So I think it made a lot of sense to say, wait a second, they're walking us towards Germany. Let's wait a second and see if there's something else there. And Austria, Switzerland, I mean, that's tough. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. that you guys were really on the right path there, obviously. But uh, DJ, I have a question I want to pose to you. Yeah. It struck me that the Hebrew word for the at symbol is a strudel. And I know you have some working knowledge of Hebrew, and I wanted to ask, is Hebrew a particularly food-oriented language, like some languages are? 
Yeah, in fact, a lot of Hebrew tradition centers around food, and it's a central part of family life. Right. The, the familial table is where most family business is conducted. And yeah, we have multiple traditions around virtually every type of food that's eaten weekly for Shabbat or, or the Sabbath. There's multiple blessings. We talk about the fruit of the earth and the fruit of the tree, the fruit of the vine. So yeah, there's a very food-centric, you know, you got to think about ancient Israel when Hebrew developed, it was a, a nomadic, itinerant shepherding culture, right? Right, so, right, right. Think about the type of activity that the culture was engaged in primarily. It was centered around the raising of caretaking of food. Even some of the Yiddish words that we use in English, like schmaltz. Yes. Oh, that song is so schmaltzy. That's, that's yes. rendered chicken fat, isn't it? That, that's exactly right. And, and to kibitz, right? That's a farm. So, oh, yeah, uh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, there's a lot of elements of that. And I think it's, it's, you know, it goes goes to reason. Also, almost all of the high holidays, all of the the holy days Have in Judaism are, yeah, they're related to some part of the harvest. So, you know, Passover is directly related to the first part of the harvest and the Feast of Temporary Dwellings. In English, it's called Tabernacles, but that's the end of the harvest right. in the fall. And so you've got all the, what is translated as Pentecost, the 50th day. That's another harvest festival. And all the traditions around them center around, you know, celebrating hmm. the harvest, the grains, the breads. You bake loaves, you wave them around. You harvest tree fruit, you wave them around. I mean, it's really very much food-centric. French is very, very food-centered language. A lot of the idiomatic phrases. You know how we say, oh, you know, he wants to have his cake and eat it too? Right. They say, oh, he wants the milk and the butter and also the milkmaid. <laughs> that, that, that speaks to another element of French culture as well. Was, yeah. I don't want to distract from this discussion of food and language, but you know I was still upset about the Monty Hall situation, so I had to look up. I just want to let you know, Einstein moved to Switzerland in 1895, which I think is when he was 15, forsaking wow. his German citizenship the following year. And then in 1897, he enrolled at the Swiss Federal Polytechnic School in Zurich, and then eventually went on, as we mentioned, to the Swiss Patent Office. Hmm. He was Swiss. He just wasn't born there. Yes. Born in Germany. You can only be yeah. born in one place. Well, I'm trying to think of a counter example. I don't know if I can. There's a great story of Charlie Chaplin and Albert Einstein. Apparently, when Einstein came to the U.S., they were on a ship together. He had achieved some degree of fame. And he and Chaplin happened to be on the same boat and got talking. That you know, It was a long sea voyage. They became friends. And when they arrived in the harbor in the U.S., there were these crowds who were there to see Albert Einstein and were shouting his name and, and saying, oh, my gosh, you know, we're all so excited to see Einstein. And Einstein had never experienced that kind of public uh, expression toward him before. And he turned to Chaplin and he said, Mr. Chaplin, what does all of this adulation mean? And Chaplin, who had been famous for, you know, most of his life, turned to Albert Einstein and said, it means nothing at all. <laughs> yep. Well, not... Yes, yes, Miss Contrarian. Well, well, no, I was just—I don't—I don't want to detract from like the philosophical statement, but related to it, keep in mind Charlie Chaplin didn't look like Charlie Chaplin a lot of the time, and if yeah. he had gotten off that boat and walked through the town square without being in his costume and his face and his whole thing, 
I, I doubt that anyone would have recognized him. To retitle your rebuttal, I think that Chaplin <laughs> was very well known at the time, even without really? his, his due up. Oh yeah, yeah. He was a playboy of the pop culture and and of the press. He was very recognized. I think I think oh, it was okay. it, it was about his realization that the public's view of you has no actual bearing. No, no, I, I understand his philosophical statement. I was just thinking how different it would be for Einstein, who had no costume and no well, funny walk and all have of you ever, things. Have you seen Einstein without his mustache and his wig? He looks nothing like the Einstein that we know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that fell flatter than the first test at Los Alamos. <laughs> I have a couple things to add here before we go. First of all, I didn't get to participate in the Intel naming exercise. Oh, so what I would did you come up with? I would just like to throw out there Indigo Electricity. Oh, I love Ooh, that. And that's nice. I think that Indigo Electricity was the name of one of Prince's albums that he never released. Oh, that, mm -hmm. yeah, probably. That's where I must have heard of it. Good stuff. All right. Well, before we go, please remember to like, subscribe, and share. share this here episode with your friends. You're always a welcome part of the team at the Last Call Trivia Podcast.